and welcome along to the New Music Podcast. Thank you very much for joining us today on episode number 25, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Adam Tinian. I'm joined here by the magnificent Tommy Poppers. Magnificent, thank you Magnificent, absolutely. What an apt word, because you are such a magnificent human being. Uh, I I appreciate (laughs) your time always. So this is uh, the third time you've appeared in the studio. Uh, We're about to record some of your music as well, which is going to be out a couple of weeks after this episode goes out. Yep. Amazing. Thank you so much. No, thank Um, you for having me. A colourful history, I think. There's a lot of... We've always spoken when you come into the studio, so there's a lot of kind of uh, your previous uh, bands and stuff that you were in and previous things that you've done and the world that you've seen, uh, which I'm quite <laughs> interested to delve into. But we're going to delve straight into one of the songs, first of all, uh, as we always do on the podcast. So we're going to talk, first of all, about a poisoned memory. A poisoned memory. Well, it's slightly bitter, as you can tell from the title. <laughs> a poisoned memory. Um, I suppose from this new... This second... Uh, solo album that I'm doing even though this isn't the first track in the listing yeah it's one of the first tracks that I wrote okay so I thought it'd be make sense to talk about that first because it's quite a simple song it's not complicated in fact this whole album I've tried to strip it right down to very basic Mm -hmm. uh, simple chord progressions nothing too over the top but it's all about uh, the lyrical journey. It's yeah. very much a narrative piece. And and um, A Poisoned Memory is about uh, basically a time I went into the jungle um, and, shall we say, had a psychedelic experience okay. <laughs> for reasons of really getting, uh, getting over some PTSD and some really terrible things that were happening in my life. Okay. Uh, and it was a very profound moment. Uh, and I faced an awful lot. It's an incredibly cleansing and purging thing to do, um, and I wouldn't recommend it to everyone, obviously, sure, and it's not something you decide to do lightly, mm-hmm. but I was at a place, really, where I had... Personally, I was I was in a really bad place, and something needed to change, and, you know, I'm teetotal. I don't drink, mm-hmm. and I don't do drugs or any anything like that. But it was something that I was recommended to do um, by friends who'd had PTSD before. And it's something where you really face things that are bothering you. And the number 72 was appearing a lot in my visions when I was in the jungle. And you see, I saw all of my problems manifested as this really horrendous black thing that was like a sort of serpent style thing it was it was it was terrifying profoundly uh eye-opening but Mm. it got rid of so many bad things in my life does that make sense yeah it does so this, this that's what this song is about it's about this journey into the jungle and the jungle is very much a metaphor for uh the wild and the sort of the the more natural elements of your being and your person and and trying to find what really is you through all this mad noise that we're yeah. surrounded with a lot well absolutely yeah yeah what what a wonderful description i think that may be the best description of a song i've ever had on this podcast so <laughs> i think we're you. in retreat for the rest of this podcast <laughs> i don't what? know when you hear it you probably won't think that and you'll just think <laughs> it just sounds like a rhythm and blues rock song what is he talking about you know but it was incredibly profound yeah. for me did, well, did the 71 mean something did, did, 72 72 sorry well i you know i found out later and no, this is going to sound so hippie and trust me i am not <laughs> okay <laughs> <laughs> I, this is not where I come from. But um, afterwards, I was I met a friend of mine who was saying, oh, my God, well, who is 
a bit of a hippie, mm. you know. And uh, she said, well, it's all about procession. And I was like, I, I don't understand. What's that? And she said, well, it's the it's the procession of the star signs. They're, they're on a 72-year cycle. Okay. And everything is being moved around and changed every 72 years and then if you go to places which i do i, I travel a lot in southeast asia mm. that number is replicated in ancient sites wherever you go is that because, right yeah the ancient so uh buddhist temples they will have multiples of 72 or divisions of 72 wow. in their buildings because okay. it's about uh pr procession of the star signs and obviously i probably had picked that up and that had gone yeah. into my so mind you spent a lot of your life in that kind of part of the world maybe yeah subliminally it's just sort of fed in there and it's just so big and so a, a lot of the um songwriting videos that i've been doing for the album like 72 flashes in a lot and right. people are always saying to me what have you got this thing with 72 i was like <laughs> well because that was what i was seeing and and um it didn't make any sense and now it sort of does and I, yeah. I like to think of it as being a very spiritual thing or even though I'm not particularly spiritual. Yeah, yeah, okay. Beautiful <laughs> message though. I love it. I love it. All right, well, let's give this first track a listen then. So this is A Poisoned Memory. Thank you. I dreamt of violent activism Was calling out to me History Lost in nostalgia Forgotten tragedy I built a sand wall Of monumental vanity Another 
Okay then, so here we are, back in. So we're going to talk about the second track, Bathhouse Blues, yes. very shortly. We should mention, by the way, all these four tracks we're talking about are off the brand new album. Yes. Which is out now? No, it's coming out in September Perfect. of 2018. Okay. Um, with... Uh, the Animal Farm Studios should be putting it up online and then you can get CDs and hopefully I think they're going to do a vinyl edition oh, I'd wonderful. like to see it in vinyl amazing me too yes um, so a couple of quick hit questions for you then right so ready for this oh. these aren't particularly probing don't worry <laughs> uh, okay. um, so the very first piece of music that you remember buying or being bought for you oh well this is tied in. I wrote a song with a band, a French band called My Lady Jane, called My First Memory. Because the first, you know, everyone has a first memory. Mm. My first memory ever is of listening to music and jumping up and down on my neighbor's bed. And okay. guess who it was? David Bowie. Of course it of was. Course. Of course it was David Bowie. And we were jumping up and down on the bed. And I just remember this as clear as day, just thinking, this is perfection. Really? This is what I'm going to do. And I don't care whether or not anyone else listens to me. I love it. That's <laughs> so, amazing. So that was it. What sort of age do you think you'd have been when we you really felt like that? Babies. We were babies. We were about three or four. Oh, I mean, wow, it's really? like the first real conscious memory I have. That's amazing. Uh, that's, that's it. It yeah. is this beautiful moment of jumping up and down and feeling completely alleviated. I mean, I had, not to sound too bad. I mean, we, we, we had very tough years when we were younger uh, there were many traumatic situations i had when i was younger um but there were always these moments of joy that came out of it and music is always really linked uh, definitely for me to those yeah um and yeah it was it was very much like a healing moment we you know we were escaping we we got lost in david bowie and who wouldn't who wouldn't absolutely that's amazing yeah. uh, okay so fast forward a bit then so the yeah. very first uh, band or musician that you went to see live oh god it's probably going to be somebody like it was Probably when I was younger, we went to see Brenda Witten, who's okay. a really old folk singer from Cornwall. Right. <laughs> and I went, went to see her with my family. But I suppose the, the, that's that that's not cool. Is that ruining my cred? No, do you know, I, no, I, I love the uncool answers. It's, it's when people come in with the cool stuff. And I remember that, you know, my first musical experience was Celine Dion. That my dad was in tune. Just not as cool, you know. Yeah. Not, not as cool as Bowie, is it? I mean, well, no. I mean, I never got to see Bowie when I was that age. Sure. But um, I did go and see. Um, I was really into kind of hair metal for a long time, and I'm guessing it would probably be something like. Um, oh, I, I really don't remember. Really, it's been so many gigs yeah, and so, so many, many gigs, shows. I, I would hate to just throw something out sure, there. Sure, sure. Okay, so final question then, uh, and this is kind of maybe a bit more of a broad one as well. Um, musician that you are addicted to right now, is there anything that you're listening to on repeat or or are you more of a shuffler? Do you just do you kind of uh, listen to all sorts? I'm going to just let the cat out of the bag. I mean, it's Brian Eno, obviously. Um, <laughs> and I... I've always been this 70s glam has always drawn me back. And I think that's very much taped up to this David Bowie being my mm. first profound musical experience. Sure. But Brian Eno, I mean, you know, the ambient stuff, the glam rock stuff, Roxy Music, David Bowie. I mean, Brian yeah. Eno has it all, <laughs> you know, and of course he's on repeat. Amazing, amazing. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's move into uh, our second track today. So, Bathhouse Blues, please tell me about this one. 
Bathhouse Blues. Well, <laughs> this is the title track for the album. Um, and it's a song very much that I wrote, well, in a very insalubrious situation. Well, it's about um, getting better, um, refining myself and my sexuality and mm -hmm. becoming very at ease with that. I had a very terrible situation several years ago where I was kind of assaulted. And that wasn't too good. And it took many years to get back over that. And this album, the whole album is about a healing process. And Bathhouse Blues is kind of refinding my erotic self, I suppose. Okay. Wonderful. All right. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds amazing. Um, uh, so we've got plenty to talk about when we come back from this one. I want to know about My Lady Jane that you mentioned a moment ago. Yes. I'm, I'm definitely keen to hear about that one and uh, and also your songwriting process. But let's first of all get into this uh, next track. This is Bathhouse Blues. <laughs> Everything your heart had 
right then, so let's get back in with Tommy, Tommy P. Yes. Um, so My Lady Jane, you mentioned that. This is something we've briefly touched on in the previous uh, sessions that we've done together, just having personal chats. I'm keen to hear more about this. This was a band that you were in. Yes. That were You had a bit of fame at, at one point, right? Yes. Record deals and kind of big stuff that was happening. Number one single, I believe, right? Yes, in, we in were Europe? number one in the rock charts in France in 2004. Okay. And then I think we, we had some success. I mean, well, actually, no. It was a band called Versus, first of all, um, which then became My Lady Jane. Okay. But it was the same songwriting team. It was me and a French guy called Bruno Etienne. We didn't really ever make it in the UK. I mean, we had some small success. We weren't massive at all, Mm. Um, but we never really broke through in the UK. Um, Although we did do some interesting things. We're on Channel 4 quite a bit and TV, and uh, we had a few songs out there, and we did a few really interesting gigs and shows and quite cool things and tours um but it never really kind of took off for many reasons yeah well how did it even come about in the first place that you were in kind of a a, a half french band rather than english band (laughs) i've been in so many different um band scenarios all of them classic rock and roll cliches of (laughs) complete Failures, (laughs) Failures, <laughs> but not you know <laughs> they were spectacularly bad news, but in also in very good and entertaining ways. Um, and I'd been in a band called the Stunt Doubles, um, and we'd moved to Brighton, and then we moved from Brighton to London, and we were in London, and that wasn't really going anywhere. We'd recorded a demo, and we'd done some new songs, and it was kind of dying, and we were. F- phenomenally boozy which doesn't help (laughs) Mm. um and we just kind of lost focus of it and while i was still working with the stunt doubles i answered an ad in the loot okay that said uh you know um no, I put an advert in Loot saying Rockstar Seeks Band. <laughs> <laughs> this nice. is so, so, yeah. And, I, and um, yeah, the French band got back in touch and we really hit it off. And okay. they were lovely, lovely guys. You know, they were from the south of France. There was lots of, um, you know, cheese, wine. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> All the finer things in life. I love it. Yeah, and I don't know what. Well, they, they used to think because I was completely unstable at the time i was a raging alcoholic okay um and so quite often they would just sort of sit at me and look in complete bizarre wonder of like what is this what are you doing you know i I just don't understand Uh, but it it kind of worked that sort of energy really took off when we we were in paris for a bit and we played in berlin a lot and yeah you know we we had some success and we were on we did a a tv show over there and then which i was so drunk on it was so embarrassing thank god the internet wasn't a thing yeah well i was gonna say yeah well can we see those videos (laughs) obviously not no (laughs) no i think you can see some of the videos of our demos and songs okay but i mean they're really not there which is kind of really unique nowadays because absolutely youtube has everything yeah 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 but i mean we i i touch wood (laughs) but if you do see um uh, a video clip of me kind of with my eyes rolling in the back of my head talking nonsense to a french tv presenter it's true (laughs) was it uh so you were the songwriter alongside uh, your bandmate which was the french man yeah was it french music english music or was it a mixer or, or we did we wrote the songs in english we used a lot of um french 
uh, chord progressions and structures. I mean, we we took a lot of um, influence from French chansons uh, and um, transformed those into kind of modern rock sounds and things. Okay. And I was singing mainly in English. I mean, right. you know, and it, some of it, it, it rocks, you know, it yeah, sounds yeah, really yeah. good. It just never really, it wasn't in the right place at the right time. It didn't really take off. Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I've always been like that in my career. I've always been so not in the right place at the right time. And that's just the way it goes. And yeah. I'm kind of happy with that. When I was younger, I was really unhappy about that. I think that's one of the reasons I drank a lot. Okay. Um, you know, I would either, you know, I started being in bands when there was kind of Britpop and things like that. You know, so there's all these moody northerners shuffling around and I'd come on stage in Lycra, like with makeup on and go, Rah! you know, and people would be like, what are you doing? Yeah. Like, and and sometimes, you know, when we got signed, it was people would say, well, you're, you know, where are we going to put you? You know, because you're a bit rock and roll for the cabaret scene and you're a bit too kind of cabaret for the rock and roll scene. Right, and I, I was see. always yeah. in a place that never really fit. Got you. Okay. We weren't really a marketable package we were a bit unusual yeah yeah it's kind of feel it kind of sounds like that if that had happened to you now it would be much bigger because you know the unusual is massively more celebrated i, I think now yeah and i think Maybe. if we were had the right people around us i mean i was making phenomenally bad choices anyway with okay. my drinking and of course that impacts on every other decision you make sure. you know rolling around camden at six o'clock in the morning you know and then yeah. meeting someone that goes oh yeah i'll be your manager and you go oh yeah brilliant yeah yeah like, yeah. yeah yeah okay why fair are enough doing this yeah <laughs> i know do you know what i mean it's like, um, I, i've got no one else to blame but i also have great times great times great memories yeah um let's move on to the next song so i didn't say the title before we started because i just wanted to save it your bullshit marriage <laughs> great i love it what an amazing title for a song Thank you very much. Um, now, this song, I really do kind of love. It's a very, what we what we say in the queer community, it's shady. And that means it's kind of slightly passive-aggressively bitchy. Okay. <laughs> but Your Bullshit Marriage, it was actually, I suppose the full title was Fuck You and Your Bullshit Marriage. Nice. But the record company made me take away the fuck you <laughs> <laughs> so, which is probably good marketing yeah know, maybe yeah, yeah. Uh, you know it's a good idea yeah but yeah it's about um uh a person that i've known for many 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 years and we were really really good friends i mean we were thick as thieves and we went through all of this drinking and, and whatever okay and he was always incredibly sexually promiscuous and i never really worried about that you know i i never judged him on that and mm -hmm. i was always very supportive of him and i think when i came back from my travels and i hadn't seen him for a few years and he's got married to a rich guy and they've settled down and we hadn't seen each other for a while and so i went round to see him for dinner and you know he was he's just turned into one of those married people you know where it's yeah. just like oh are you still having sex with other people? You know, we've right, got okay. two cars and a, a bit flat judgy and, and a bit, yeah. And it was all just the whole situation was ridiculous. It was like, look, you're talking to me. I <laughs> yeah. scraped you off a sauna floor when you've been too drunk before, you yeah. know. And now you're judging me on my life choices, you know. It's, but yeah. so 
But it's supposed. Does, it's not does he know? Does he know? Yeah, I don't want to make it an awkward, but does he know that this is about him? Has he I'm heard not, it? I mean, he's he's aware. Okay, he's okay. aware. Okay. Um, and that's fine. People grow apart. Sure. I'm not trying to judge him either. This mm-hmm. isn't about. It's just a kind of little silly dig. Mm-hmm. But you know, I think this is one. It touches on a really big issue with the LGBTQ community that I think we're starting to to wise up to now is personally as a young uh young man I mean gay marriage wasn't necessarily something that we were fighting for I'm great it's great that it's happened and it's there but it's not also about what a queer life is you know we we don't really you know define ourselves in the same way as, as being one of the great things about being gay was you didn't have to get married and mm. go through all of this thing and buy the condo sure. and the car and worry about the mortgage right. and then get you know depressed when he's looking at somebody else and all of those nice interesting intricate things about relationships <clears throat> as well i'm not dissing that or putting down on it i'm just sort of saying that there is always space for an alternative mm, yeah and i think shutting those down and just sort of saying you know well, you know, you're a certain age now, Tommy. Why don't you just get a husband and settle down? I mean, <laughs> isn't that something that we should not really be saying to yeah. anybody anymore? Yeah, of course, yeah, yeah. It's like... <laughs> definitely, definitely. <laughs> I think we've kind of grown beyond that, where it's like, if you don't get married, that's fine Absolutely, too, yeah, of course know. it is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, who is anybody to tell anybody how to live their lives? You know, <laughs> yeah. just do what you want. And, you know, I, I mean, obviously I've known you for for a year or so now. And for six months of that, you lived in a beautiful part of the world. And, and I'm extremely jealous of, of your life. I think it's amazing, you know. <laughs> yeah. You know, who's anybody to, to tell anybody what they should or shouldn't be doing? Yeah. It's, you know. Anyway, okay, let's get into this one then. So this is the third song today, Your Bullshit Marriage. You've got an open marriage. You found the horseless carriage of relationships You found the new way You exist in a magazine and think you're it I wish I didn't care We used to be friends Now you're only concerned about how I make ends meet I got lost in the world somewhere and you You think his money will save you Oh, I really don't know You think you're living the dream A condo full of objects which was never your scene You ask me to dinner, then throw all your shade I'm not impressed with this life that you've made And I wish I never stayed 
We used to be friends when I picked you up a mess from the bathhouse floor. You were the last chance bottom and you laughed all night when I held you but oh. Guess it's time to let you go Okay then, so back in. We're going to talk yes. about the final track shortly, The Prisoner. Um, yes. But a few more things I want to, talk, to sort of touch on uh, with you first of all. So first of all, Margate Pride, obviously a big thing. You're one of the organisers. Yes. Um, in uh, about a month's time, listeners, we've got a special Margate Pride podcast coming out featuring Tommy here as well as uh, Amy that uh, yep. runs uh, runs Pride with you. Mm-hmm. Tell me about uh, the show. You're doing a show during Pride, right? Yeah. So tell me about right. that. So I've been commissioned really... <sighs> When I write songs, they're very much stories. There's there's a narrative process going on. I see songwriting very much as a narrative process. Um, and I like to do little kind of cabaret shows. Okay. I'm, I wouldn't say I'm, I'm hugely theatrical, but they have a theatrical vibe, obviously. Sure. And so last year, I, I mean, I've always done them wherever I've been. I've always done little kind of theatrical shows, like mini raw musicals, which help really crystallize the story of the songs that I'm writing, like little bits of performance. Yeah, I think it's very brave to, to do that th- sort of thing because, you know, people write a piece of music and then they perform a piece of music. You know, they, there's there's still a barrier there. I think yeah. it's very brave to put yourself out and act out the story of the of the song. Yeah. I think it's amazing. I mean, it's a persona. It's a character. Sure. I mean, you know, like I said to you, I'm... David Bowie and Brian Eno all the way and stage is a persona so yes we're talking about real things in the songs I'm you know these are real elements of my life that happen but of course I'm fictionalizing them a little bit sure there's a little bit of narrative and storytelling in there no it's theater yeah absolutely it's performance I'm performing them yeah but they are real they're authentic they're my feelings so the show during pride is it about the music from this album yeah very much so well what happened was is 
a profound experience that I had when I was traveling away. I was assaulted, as I mentioned earlier. And that completely changed my entire life. I mean, I stopped drinking. Um, I, as I said, I went into the jungle and I really reorganized my priorities yeah. and I completely changed my whole life map in a, in a hugely profound way. It was like a, a phenomenal midlife crisis <laughs> times 50. And um, part of that, uh, these two solo albums that I've done under the name Tommy Poppers, um, are really documenting that journey. Okay. So the first album is incredibly dark, funnily enough, and it's really torch songy and it's depressing and it's rock bottom. You know, this is it, this. It was a really dark time in my life. Yeah. Um, and it gets better. So this new album is kind of the recovery stage. I see. Um, so they are kind of linked. The Tommy Poppers Project is two albums. I'm maybe thinking it's three albums. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> um, and so I do the little shows really to tell the story. So it's storytelling yeah. with music. It's like being a troubadour. And so the show for Margate Pride this year is called Queering the Troubadour. And I work with Short Sighted Cinema who do, uh, they commission and uh, put on short film festivals. Yep. Uh, curate different um not commission, sorry, they curate different uh, film events. And they've got a great kind of roster of talent. And we've worked together to tell this story of how Tommy Poppers came to make Bathhouse Blues. Okay. And it's partly my songs, partly my prose and my poetry and my performance interspersed with short films, which really kind of get the feeling or the sense across that I'm trying to communicate. So it's very, it's very much like a multimedia performance. Mm wonderful i mean it's different it's raw yeah, and, it's and amazing. it will you know it's an experiment but um and so and the show sorry is remind me the date of it it's, it's a couple the, of days before the yes final so pride we do two performances at the tom thumb theater that's a wednesday the 8th and thursday the 9th of august 2018 and, and tickets course, are available from tom thumb theater website fantastic so. and of course pride is on uh, saturday the 11th as well so it's obviously that's the whole right. week of events yeah. um encompassed within margate pride yeah amazing amazing um so that kind of leads me on i suppose to your songwriting process and yeah uh, and uh well, you, you tell me, you know, do, do you lock yourself in a room and obsess about a song until it's finished? Do you wake up at six o'clock in the morning or, or four o'clock in the morning and have to write things down? Or what, what's your how do you kind of get around things usually? Uh, well, it completely varies depending yeah. on, on the project that I'm doing. When I was working with bands, it was a completely different process to myself and doing the solo project. Yeah. So as the solo project, I write with my trusty uke because I can carry it wherever I go because it's small enough. And I've sort of fallen in love with my two ukes. They are my children. It's beautiful. <laughs> the, uh, the red one that you performed with uh, in session here before. Very beautiful. Yeah. I, I mean, they're, they're my things that I can take with me. And they... Um, one of my students when I was traveling in Taiwan said, oh, is that your misery stick? <laughs> but um, no, it's the kind of thing is whenever I, ever I have something I want to get out it's really cathartic these two albums it's a really different process for me I've been like I said yes Tommy Poppers is a performance it's a creation it's not really me sure but there is so much truth in these songs because I've put on a mask as Oscar Wilde once mm, says yeah. I'm speaking the truth and so these songs come I, when I started writing this album like I said it was a really 
traumatic experience that I'd gone through. And I would write the songs on my ukulele. And because I wasn't talking to anybody at the time, like literally I had no social interactions. Uh, I'd shut myself off from everybody. I really wasn't in a good place. And I would just turn up to different open mic nights all around Southeast Asia and just sing one or two of these songs. And I wouldn't speak to anyone when I went in and I wouldn't okay. speak to anyone when I left and no one knew who I was. Okay. And I wore Very a mysterious. mask. Yeah, and my, I performed under the name of Mr. E because someone said, oh, you're a mystery. And I just thought, that's just too good to, to mix. That's great. And then I was, so it was more about telling the story and sharing with other people. It was a cathartic process, purely cathartic. And I had no intention of recording it as an album and doing it as, as where it is at all. Okay. I didn't think I'd be doing it to this degree that I'm doing it now. Yeah. And I'd <clears throat> done a few shows when I was back in Berlin. Um, and a guy that I had worked with and uh, done some music with before back in London saw the songs and said, you've got to record these because they're great. And I had no intention of doing it. And it was a really awkward process and when I did it, I felt so much ready to move on in my life. It's really weird. When I listen to that first Tommy Popper's debut solo album now, it feels like it's someone completely different. I really? feel very detached from it. Um, but the songs are incredibly personal and it's it's what I was experiencing. Sure. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so let's get into the, the final track for yes. today. So this is The Prisoner. Yes. Please tell me about this one. This is fun. I like this one. Um, <laughs> um, and I think one of the problems I had with moving on and, and getting better as a person was realizing exactly what was going on with me. Um, and I think this whole process that I went through of, of self-reflection and self-realization and uh, working out a load of intimate personal issues a lot of that was mixed up with traveling as well and being alienated from your my culture where I came from. You know, I was spending a lot of time in uh, Taiwan and Southeast Asia and I was detached from Western culture and Western civilization. So this song, The Prisoner, is about kind of being trapped in your cultural heritage and then being freed from that okay. and seeing... I don't know if you've ever heard of Plato's The Cave. Okay, I haven't. The Allegory of the Cave. Well, this is something I, I, I love to, to bore my students with when I'm doing literature <laughs> classes. Um, but it's um, apparently, you know, according to Plato, you know, he has this allegory of the cave, which is a story of how the material world is constructed. Um, and it's very much the foundation of, or one of the foundations of the Western perspective, which is the way that we see the world. And it's this beautiful metaphor story, really, where he says that, you know, all of us are prisoners in a cave um, and we're all chained. And in front of us, there's a screen, there's a big side of the wall, like the cave, like a screen. And behind us, there's a fire. And these creatures pass in front of the fire and then they show, move objects in front of the fire. So you get these shadows reflected um, on the cave wall. Okay. And because everyone's born and lives in this uh, 
cave for their whole life, imprisoned. They look at the cave and they see these shadows and they think that that's the reality of the world and that's the, how the universe is and that's all the world is. And then one day, you know, the philosopher, the poet, the revolutionary figure yeah. breaks free of the chains and then he crawls out through the side and he sees the light of the sunshine for the very first time and he touches things and he sees that there's actual real things in the real world that he can touch. And he realizes that everything that he's known for his whole life has been a lie. Um, and then he goes back into the cave and he tries to tell everyone else and they think he's insane and they're mental, you know, and they don't believe him. And that sort of metaphor, very much like this whole version of, of kind of Socrates and what the role of the philosopher or the poet or the artist is, this kind, this person that goes in search for the reality of things and the confrontation they get along the way. And people just don't want to hear it. People don't want to see the truth. You know, they yeah. would rather be chained and look at the shadows on the wall yeah. than see the real sunlight. And so I think, I was thinking of that a lot when I was teaching my students. And this song comes out of that, of this sense that I was imprisoned by my kind of own cultural perspective. And I wasn't dealing with my shit in a really useful way anymore yeah. i needed to move on i needed to go beyond what i've been taught or, or who i thought i was in order to really fix the problem okay so Fantastic. that's what it's about but it's yeah. i make it sound really <laughs> very profound profound yeah but it's also a really really simple lovely beautiful boogie okay. tune that you can dance to Fantastic. <laughs> That sounds amazing. All right, well, let's give this a listen then. So this is the final track today. This is The Prisoner. A young man when I learned to be afraid 
Okay then, ladies and gents, here we go. Back with the old uh, five-minute song challenge. Back with uh, Tommy Popper's five-minute song challenge. Looking forward to it, Tommy. <laughs> For five minutes, here we go. <laughs> Not sure how this is going to work. See the numbers shining brightly All the clouds disappear I see the darkness in the outgrowth And all the clouds will disappear Sweat drips on the skin, it bruises And the blood is flowing tight Dreams are the memories of the past <laughs> that was brilliant. <laughs> Fantastic. Thank you. Thank you. I love five it. Five minutes. That's the, that's the whole point of this five minute song challenge is meant to just kind of uh, spark your creativity. And, uh, you know, the, the last. There's a lot of ACDC in there. <laughs> if I plagiarised ACDC in that, I apologise to all ACDC fans. Last week's episode uh, with um, <laughs> uh, wonderful young lad Jack Bowden, uh, his was inspired by his Bakewell tart flavoured shower gel. <laughs> So it doesn't have to be particularly thoughtful. So that was that was wonderful. Thank you so much. Thank and thank you. you for your time. Thank you for coming along. I appreciate you uh, delving into your, your life and uh, your beautiful music. Thank you. And thank you for doing what you do. It's really important. <laughs> Margate needs suicide sessions. So thank you very thank much. You. Appreciate that. All right, listeners, thank you for joining us uh, on episode number 25. Don't forget to share this episode with your friends. And of course, do all those things like give us those ratings on the iTunes store and whatnot. <laughs> like and subscribe, all that stuff. And uh, yeah, I think that's it. We'll catch you next week. I dreamt a violent activism Was calling out to me Just to throw